Yeah. No, it's funny. I've been, so a lot of times, you know, I'll just have something going in the background for noise when I'm at work. And lately, uh, did you ever play SimCity? Uh, I did, yeah. Okay. So, like, I was a really big fan of that one, and then maybe, like, five, six years ago, they came out with a new one, and it was absolute crap. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, I've been kind of, like, lamenting its demise. But there's a new, uh, it's a similar concept, is uh, Cities Skylines. And it's basically, like, the spiritual successor to SimCity. I don't think it's any of the same people or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, based on what I was reading, they weren't going to try to make it until SimCity, like, the most recent one, completely flopped. Oh like, yeah. Okay, now's their chance. Uh, <laughs> before it was like mostly a traffic simulator, or like that was their main game. But anyway, so I've you know just to have some kind of noise at work, like I'll have uh, just YouTube videos of you know people doing you know let's play City Skylines, which is which is fun. And you know there's the one that I've been listening to, like the guy is uh, he's Northern Irish, and the you know he'll always be doing this and this and this and like something's you're not quite perfect and then he finally says like that's fine that's fine that'll work <laughs> that's funny and i just have that stuck in my head that's fine that's fine <laughs> hello and welcome this is episode six of we don't know what we're doing a podcast on the thoughts and misadventures of your hosts. I am Joshua Crawford from Kansas City, Missouri, and with me is Matt Austin in Fairfax, Virginia. Hey, Matt. Hello. It's funny, uh, when I was getting ready to do that intro, I almost said the We Don't Know What We're Doing podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, it it just speaks to our importance in your view. It, it does. It, it, to harken back to a, a previous outro anyway so uh first of all for all of our loyal listeners uh, i think there's at least two of you out there now uh want to apologize that it has been a little while since we've recorded we missed you guys yeah and i mean i've i've definitely missed the discussions um yeah so it's been a little over a month since the last time we recorded and uh not quite so long since the last time we bothered to release something uh, which is uh, partly my fault, uh, partly Josh's, <laughs> but it's just, uh, you know, we're getting busy and yeah, uh, we're trying to make the best of it. <laughs> it's generous of you to take some of the blame on that, but uh, oh yeah, we we are trying to keep on a two-week release schedule, so that's certainly the target, but if you haven't figured it out already, this isn't our full-time gig, so... <laughs> the uh the professionalism is uh is still uh shall we say in the infant stage yeah we're on the uh the needs improvement for our uh, performance review here right <clears throat> hopefully we don't get fired anyways so speaking of uh professionalism and creating content that's actually our topic for tonight uh the whole realm of social media and content creation and so the question that i have for you matt and for myself to talk about tonight is uh is this a field that we can even play in uh it depends on i guess what you mean by that 
So I guess to develop the topic a little bit further, the question is, uh, is social media in general, and maybe podcasting more specifically, content creation in general, whether that's blogging or making videos or these audio recordings, is this something that we have the capability to do, the time to do? Is it something that we can do in an excellent way that's worthy of getting other people's attention and getting their listen? And then maybe even one step beyond that, what is our motivation for doing it? Is this something that's even right for us to pursue? And I guess when I say right, I could mean that in a couple different ways. I could mean just appropriate for our stage in life and where we're at right now. Or I could even mean on moral grounds. Is is this something that uh, is worthwhile for us to pursue that we would say is, is a good thing? Uh, we we said in one of the first episodes that we recorded, which I think we actually didn't release, uh, that we got into this because we had thoughts that we wanted to share with the world and this felt like a good platform to do it. So the question is, is, is this effective an effective way for us to be doing it? Yeah, I don't know that this is any more or less effective than any other way that, you know, I suppose I've pursued over the years, uh, whether it be blogging or uh, even my photography. Like, there, there's always going to be, at least for me, a limited reach, um, both because that's not really what I'm interested in doing. Like, it would be great if we had a ton of listeners but I'm not going to, you know, stress and honestly really do most of the hustle required to, you know, for all the self-promotion. Um, if that's, you know, your thing, if you are an artist, if you're trying to make a living doing something like this, that makes sense. I There's nothing wrong or, you know, amoral about that um, or immoral. <laughs> Messed that one up. Um, it Yeah, I would rather say it... it I, I guess it would be amoral then if it has no relation to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I think how I started thinking about this topic is actually I started thinking about it before our delay even, but the delay kind of made me think about it some more. And it's like, you know, even for a, low production quality podcast, which I would say in the broad population of podcasts, ours is on the lower end of the spectrum for production quality. It still takes effort. It takes effort to put the the notes together. It takes effort to think about topics. It takes effort to, to get together and to record and to, um, you know, edit the recording and, and polish it and, and host it afterward. Like you said, we're not really doing much in terms of promoting, but it still takes effort. So just asking myself, is is this something that uh, is a good use of my time? Because I think for you and I both, we have a lot of demands on our time right now. Uh, we both have pretty busy jobs. We have uh, a wife and a child. And you know we have a community of people that we want to stay connected with and involved in. And for lack of a better term or lack of a better description, that feels like the real world. And this is kind of the the play world. You know, we're having a we're having a conversation with people who can't speak back. And so 
the question is, are we producing something that is worthwhile for them? Um, and, you know, if we're not, what are we, what are we doing wasting our time? They won't listen anyway. So <laughs> I wouldn't be doing this in one sense if I didn't want uh, people to listen and people to get something out of it. But at the same time, like we talked about at the beginning, I can't do it if I wouldn't just do it for me, if that makes sense. So it's this weird kind of paradox to me that we're, we're involved in an activity that by its nature is at its best or, or really has as its, as its goal producing something that other people would enjoy. And yet at the same time, it, it has to be done in a way that we enjoy it, regardless of whether other people listen to it or not. Yeah, I think I actually take a little bit of a different tack in that, I mean, having other people enjoy it is sort of the nominal goal here. Um, but it's not really, it's honestly not a big concern to me. Um, sorry, listeners, you're not a concern to me. <laughs> uh, I, I know that's one of the things that you're really not supposed to say. But I, I really want to push back because it almost sounds like, you know, you're kind of saying that something isn't worthwhile if it doesn't produce results or, you know, the results that it's supposed to. So, you know, if we aren't, you know, if no one listens to us, you know, if no one downloads any more of our podcasts and we're just talking into dead air, that doesn't make this worth any less to me mm, mm -hmm. or more of a waste of time. Yeah. And so that's, that to me is huge. Like that's a really important perspective because like if I was going to make an analogy, maybe it, uh, a good analogy that would be accessible for a lot of people would be something like singing. I, I know a lot of people, I'm actually one of those people uh, who do occasionally sing in the shower. Um, so when I sing in the shower, I'm not, I'm not singing for an audience. Uh, hopefully I'm singing just for myself because I enjoy the song because I have, you know, some music in my heart and it, it comes out in a moment where there's no one else around. And so I'm not, I'm not doing it for anybody else. But if I took that one step further and I said, okay, I'm going to start practicing my singing. I'm going to start writing songs. I'm going to start um, recording myself and then listening to it and trying to improve that. Then I feel like uh, some people could do that and say basically what you just said. If no one ever hears this, it is not worth any less to me. And I'm not sure that I'm that person. I'm not sure that I have that perspective. I think to me, if no one ever heard it on, on some level, it would kind of be a waste of time. Uh, just being honest, like not, you know, not saying that one view is any more correct than the other. I think that's just my personality, that if I put effort into something, even if I don't like to admit it or it takes me time to admit it, I do have this expectation that it's going to be enjoyed or be meaningful to somebody else if I if I take it any further beyond just the shower. So I guess uh, for me, it kind of depends on what my perspective of this podcast is. If, if this is just a singing in the shower or if it's um, trying to grow and, and develop a skill and, and practice something, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think 
I mean, it was funny when you're saying that I was actually kind of thinking of, um, you know, if, if a tree falls in the forest for you, it doesn't make a sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be one way to look at it. Or maybe another way to say it, it makes a sound, but the sound doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges with that perspective is that it's impossible to measure, you know, the reach of, you know, what this does. I mean, literally for us, it's impossible because we have so few listens that whenever I log into statistics, <laughs> it doesn't it shows, show up. No, it shows no activity for privacy reasons. Right. <laughs> uh, just in case they don't want to out the one person that listened to you. Um, but, you know, on the same, uh, same token, I am desperately clawing for a name here there was a few years ago there was a street photographer from chicago who was entirely unknown like in life like basically this one fellow uh had found you know these trunks of negatives and prints that were all like astoundingly good like they were basically the talk of you know the street photography group the mm -hmm. entire time and she was entirely unknown to any, like, as far as we know, she didn't share anything with anyone. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it goes on to have this reach, you know, after she's dead, after she's gone. So then when you come back and say, you know, oh, what I'm doing isn't having any effect. Well, maybe not a visible effect, not something that's easy to see. Maybe, I mean, maybe not ever, but maybe not, not ever. I guess one way to think of that kind of from the Christian perspective is if if you do what God designed you and made you to do, you don't need to be the ultimate judge of how effective or useful that was. Uh, if if God made you to, to be a certain way or to do a certain thing, it's up to him whether that's useful or not, because ultimately it's pleasing to him if you do what he made you to do. Right. You know, uh, kind of going back to, uh, you'll probably be better on the the quote or the paraphrase uh you know uh someone planted paul watered apollos reaped or i'm probably getting the names in order here and there backwards <laughs> but yeah it's that kind of uh that kind of setup where you're not going to know what your reach is and so it's I, that's one at least for me that's one argument against you know having these measurable goals sure uh, yeah and and just for for our listeners the the reference you're referring to is from first corinthians 3 ah the wonders of the internet and uh it was i planted paul referring to himself apollos watered but it was god who was causing the growth so yeah i think that's true and and this is something this is similar to one of our previous topics actually uh, this is something that I find myself wrestling with quite a bit and kind of going back and forth on um, almost feeling like I'm on the fence about because on the one hand, I totally agree with and resonate with the reminder that the ultimate worth of anything we do or of our life is completely not in our hands and not for us to judge. And uh, so we really shouldn't waste time thinking about it. Um, that's encouraging to me. 
Um, but then on the other side, I also feel like, but I do need to make decisions about what I do from day to day. And so just evaluating my motives, because even if, um, I guess whether the, this, just this podcast in particular, as an example, whether this podcast gets a lot of listeners or not, maybe ultimately doesn't really matter, but my motive in doing it probably does. So if my motive is to get a lot of followers and we don't, then that's kind of sad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if my motive is just to have a good time, then it doesn't matter what we do, you know, but being, being honest about that. Yeah, if your motive is notoriety, you probably chose the wrong co-host. <laughs> you think I should have uh, chosen someone with a, a well, I was going to say a, a buttery, soft voice, but uh, but you have a pretty good voice, so maybe maybe just better <laughs> promotional skills. Yeah, someone with at least you know five more followers on Twitter or something. <laughs> someone who's willing to go on Facebook. Let's let's not compare followers because because uh, I'm I'm way behind on that. That's all right. No, but this part of what brought up the the topic for me is because there are some other blogs that I listen to, or blogs that I listen to. That's a feat. Um, I guess there are some AIs that will read them to you now, but no. That could uh, actually be kind of entertaining, get that like robotic <laughs> voice. Yes. yes, it can. Actually, I just came from a power plant that uh, shall remain nameless, and their, their safety video is read by an AI, and it's... Uh, it's not even a particularly good AI, so it's it's uh, entertaining would actually be the wrong word for that. <laughs> but uh, that almost it. sounds like uh, one of the you know annual training videos that we have to do uh, that comes from our parent company. The one choice that I really don't understand is that you know it's you know they have these all these office we'll call them sets. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really just actors on a green screen, really bad office set. Oh no! <laughs> so like like you can tell, yeah, it's not even good, you know, CG or anything. Right. And it's completely unnecessary because it's an office set. You couldn't build an office set. You had to green screen it. Like you were worried that it was going to be that much. You know, you needed to make it generic enough that you could do it for other companies or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's like you're in an office. Why not just use the office that's there? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I won't. I won't continue talking about this video because then I'm gonna start sharing other uh, entertaining things from safety videos I've seen. So anyway, uh, back to the topic. <laughs> uh, yeah, what got me started thinking about this is there are blogs that I read. <clears throat> there are um, podcasts that I listen to. YouTube channels that I follow and some of them are clearly just talking about something that they enjoy and they happen to have really struck a chord and done particularly well and so there are a lot of people that listen to them. Um, this isn't our semi-random excellence for the uh, for the show but I'll just give an example. There's a, a couple that does photography, uh, Tony and Chelsea Northrup and they have a book and stuff like that, but they have this YouTube channel where they have all of these free uh, YouTube videos and they actually talk through how they take a particular picture and what they're thinking about when they're looking at the lighting and how they pose people and things like that. And maybe for a better photographer than me, 
all of the information they're giving is very rudimentary and not helpful. For me, when I stumbled across them, it was like a treasure trove. And so it just struck me the wonder of having access for free to this content that was really beneficial for me, that was encouraging, that made me want to take more pictures, that educated me and, and opened my eyes to possibilities that weren't there before. And, you know, that's really cool to me. And so we have, uh, there's ways that people can support their favorite content creators like Patreon and things like that. Um, so it's not, people aren't just completely doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. Ultimately, if someone is producing videos of that high of quality, they are hoping to attract enough followers that they can actually earn some revenue through referrals or whatever from it. So there's channels like that where they, they started just doing something they loved and they've been very successful. And then there's some other channels that I've come across where every single description is a clear attempt at starting a viral video. And every, every video that they make, the way the person talks and the way the set's framed and everything and the music is very clearly designed to try to uh, pull you in and and make you feel like this person is just uber cool. And so it's this like naked, un, unapologetic appeal to get more followers, to get more likes, to get more shares. Um, and something about that kind of turned me off. Like I, I, you said, you used the word amoral earlier. And I actually don't think that there is anything wrong with uh, doing something to try to attract followers on YouTube any more than there is something wrong with wanting to perform as a band or something like that. But there's still something about it that just kind of bothers me. And so I started doing this heart check myself. Uh, am I wanting to attract followers? Because obviously I come from more of the uh, performance side, I think, than you do, just my natural way of thinking. So that was kind of what led me into this. Have you, with the blogs that you read and the videos that you watch, do you feel like most of the people that you follow are more on the side of just doing something they love or have there been people that have entertained you or whatever that you think were doing stuff to try to get followers? I I can definitely think of, uh, so we were talking before, uh, before we started it on everything about, you know, just, I'll have, you know, different YouTube videos up in the background. Um, sometimes, you know, either like let's plays of certain games or, uh, something along those lines. And one of them I'll also follow is uh, just a couple of people that do uh, FIFA career modes, um, which is a basically a game type on the EA FIFA soccer games. Um, but yeah, and a lot of those, like even the one that is generally the most entertaining to me, I was actually kind of thinking about this earlier today. And like, there's definitely... You just sort of accept that all the video titles will be, you know, sort of a complete clickbait exaggeration of everything. <laughs> uh, or, you know, like these crafty, you know, rewordings to make, you know, it's it's definitely the the seedy side of advertising. Right. Uh, that's in there. And I, I do think that the platforms sort of encourage that. Uh, because that's how you're going to get the views. And I do think there is something in there uh, that's 
that's a little bit toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the best word uh, to use for that. Um, Even, you know, even some of the more recent videos of the one that I've tended to watch, you know, even like the actual content inside there, I'm, you know, you start to pick it apart. You're like, okay, so this is sort of, this is what's manufactured to make it more dramatic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. (laughs) I could have guessed that. I think Uh, if I was going to be a betting man, I think I would have betted that you, you didn't care for that. (laughs) I, I think where, where it bothers me the most is not if it's a, a content creator who's making a video or a podcast or what have you about photography or video gaming or whatever. I guess to some degree I kind of expect that with those topics. Where it bothers me the most is when I feel like that same kind of mentality gets pulled into the church. And when there's... Mm-hmm people who are um you know purporting to to preach the gospel through the media of their 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 social network whatever it is that they're using um and yet the videos have that or the podcasts or whatever have that very clickbaity feel uh, and they're using a lot of these techniques and stuff that's when it really starts to bother me so it what kind of prompted just to give a quick scripture reference, uh, what kind of prompted some of these musings, I was sitting in a plane and I was thinking about some of this stuff and there are several verses from, uh, Corinthians and one in particular is first Corinthians one seventeen, And Paul says for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And so obviously I'm taking this verse out of context, but uh, to give a little bit more context for the passage, what Paul's basically saying in, in my understanding is that he proclaimed the gospel in a very simple, straightforward way. He didn't use a lot of the elocution or um, public oratory techniques of the day that uh, the Greeks or or others might have used, not because he didn't have the ability to do it uh, or that he didn't know how to do it, but he purposely chose not to because if someone was going to come to Christ, he wanted them to come just because they heard the gospel and they believed it, not because it was emotionally compelling the way he spoke about it. And so I was thinking about that because uh, like even Sunday morning on church, we'll have videos that people produce and, you know, uh, to introduce the topic or whatever. And they're really professionally done. You know, there's sun flare and music and slow motion and all this stuff. And it's part of me looks at it and thinks that's awesome. That's really cool that this believer in Christ has that talent. And wants to use that talent to, you know, produce this video to help us get in tune with the topic here. But then part of me thinks of this verse and thinks, is this just Paul's style? Or is this something that we should really all be careful of as Christians? That if we're if we're going to do anything, we should make sure that it doesn't distract from the gospel. You know, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I feel like I wouldn't be a proper Presbyterian if I didn't, you know, throw out the regulative principle here 
which for those of you at home that are not uh, as incredibly ecclesiologically as nerdy as I may be, um, the regulative principle essentially says that there's nothing that should be permitted in worship except that which has been approved expressly in the word of God. Mm. Um, so yes, things like drama and skits are kind of on the other side of that. <laughs> I will, we'll put that nicely. Um, <laughs> fog machines right out. <laughs> My church does have a fog machine, by the way. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> this, this is, this is eye opening for the listeners. Uh, if they hadn't figured it out already that we do not come completely from the same ecclesiastical background. <laughs> Uh, on background probably fairly similar but i've i've definitely moved a little bit more uh not as so there are you know some strains of the presbyterian church that will take that basically to mean you know you can only you know sing psalms you know you you can't sing anything written you know since 600 bc um (laughs) not really going that far i mean you know, or, you know, you can't use, you know, pianos or guitars, which, again, we don't really go that far. Um, right. It's reasonable to use, you know, the instruments that you have in your own context. Um, we're not going to go out and find a lute player. <laughs> They're probably kind of hard to find nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it, it certainly would be interesting. And it's funny because even if you did find one, would that just be an odd attraction that distracts from the gospel to begin with? Right. Um, this church has a lute player. <laughs> yeah, talking about, I mean, because it's really what I am trying to understand. Oh, I probably go with lyre. Um, yeah, instead of a lute. Obviously, there are, there are some things that are just, um, in their view, I guess, more glorifying to man or just not not appointed by God and therefore kind of pointless Right. Well, as, as a, I, I would, it would be, and I'm not really, uh, you know, a deep expert on this. It's as, I mean, the short version is that it's simply not permissible as in God has said, this is how I would like to be worshiped. And anything outside of that is sort of out of bounds. Uh, right. So you don't get to say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. It's his worship. So he gets to make the call. Right. Which is funny if you think about it, um, in any culture in the past, that would have completely made sense, right? Any idolatrous culture, any uh, culture worshiping some mythical god, there would have been a very prescriptive way of worship, and no one would have questioned, that's how you worship that particular god. Uh, Only in the Christian tradition, where we have had a lot of freedom... Uh, like, for example, the, the Sabbath is not, um, you know, considered by many Christian denominations to be a hard and fast rule anymore. We've had freedom when to assemble. We've had freedom uh, how to express our worship to God in a lot of ways. So uh, that line, I guess, or that way of thinking has become a little bit blurred or forgotten. Yeah, I'm not sure I would necessarily ascribe that to the Christian tradition per se, so much as a Western individualism, Western individualistic uh, <laughs> tradition. 
Um, I, I sort of imagine that, you know, e- you know, Eastern Orthodox or, you know, even the very Roman Catholic traditions would say, no, that's, you know, they would kind of go along with, there is a very prescriptive way, um, at least until Vatican sure. II, I guess. Sure. And in the, you know, in the, as far as church history goes and compared to most of the mainline Protestant churches and certainly the evangelical traditions, um, they have a lot more weight of history behind them. Mm -hmm. But I would say even the so-called Catholic traditions where they, where they have prescriptive ways of worship are relatively new in this sense of total church history, just because I, I look at the, the letters in the New Testament themselves, and I would say that what Paul and others were proposing to the Jewish elders at the time was completely radical. Uh, I mean, they were still meeting in synagogues, but they essentially threw the law out. And uh, so that was, a, that was a completely new way of thinking. So there was a lot of freedom there. I, I get that everybody likes to, to rag on Western individualism, but I, I don't think... Um, the question of how to worship God arose with that. I think it's just the the latest incarnation. I think it made it a bigger deal. I would say that. Yeah. How so? Uh, Just in the sense that we're sort of in this space where it's permeated by, you know, if there's something that you want to do that is yours, then that, you know, there's a lot of pushback of, you know, who are you to say that I can't do this? You know, who's to say that this isn't, mm-hmm. you know, from God for me? Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah, a that's lot true. more prevalent now in this, you know, with this sort of individualistic uh, framework. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been interesting because that's been applied um Maybe worship is one of the more socially acceptable places where that thinking permeates. Um, but I've seen it permeate some other things too, uh, not to name names, but I remember a particular uh, Christian pop artist as well who um, you know, made the determination that God was speaking to her that she should you know, divorce her husband and that that was his will for her life. And that was a very individualistic thing. And it, it trumped, you know, doctrine and, and traditional church teaching. And it was just, well, this is what I hear. This is what I think. This is what's good for me. So therefore, this must be true. Right. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So not to go too far down this path. Um, yeah. So coming back to its use in the church, I, I do want to say that, you know, there, you know, regulative principle aside, you know, whether you subscribe to that or not, I mean, there's still ways where, you know, this sort of self-promotion, you know, you can still build a large church around a charismatic personality completely within that framework. So it's not, you know, there's not a, uh, you know, there's not a one size fits all uh, sort of thing. Sure. Yeah, and I think uh, so. I'll I've mentioned a verse or two on here. I'll mention a couple more before we're done. If uh, 
if listeners want a more rigorous treatment, I guess, of the of the topic in one particular dimension, and, and that is just uh, the creative outlet and uh, how that applies to the Christian, I will have a, a blog post up, um, and we, we can put a link in the show notes to that, where I list more verses, because I, I would encourage our listeners to do their own study and not take... Uh, the Catholic viewpoint or the Presbyterian viewpoint or the Baptist viewpoint or whatever viewpoint and just run with that. But I'd encourage you to dig into scripture and see what, what Jesus says and what Paul and Peter and the other apostles say and, and what really the whole of scripture says. But um, I think to, to kind of summarize what we've been saying, specifically when it comes to worship, there is a way that God wants to be worshiped and it is much deeper than just an outward uh, conformity or certain outward actions. It has to do with the heart as well. Um, but the the entire thing, all through, how you present yourself to God, he does have expectations for. And he does have uh, these expectations that he has stated in Scripture. And we should follow those. And if we think that we've somehow risen above that, then we should maybe question where we're getting our information. But uh, coming back to the social media side of things, so uh, like if if we could agree that you know me waving flags and uh, dancing uh, an interpretive dance in church. Uh, isn't prescribed in scripture. The question is, I guess, if I want to post Instagram videos of my of me doing that, um, just for fun, uh, for me, is there a problem with that, or is that a waste of time for us? I mean, if you're willing to subject yourself to me making fun of you for doing that, then go for it. That's that's the old catch. Uh, well, it's not really a catch twenty two, but that's the the tripwire of the internet. You can do anything you want, but uh, you have to deal with the the blowback. You might become a meme. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is actually something that I I had issues with uh, when I was more into photography. You know, particularly in a social online context, um, mostly through Google+. I'd post some stuff to Facebook, but most of my interaction with uh, other photographers was through Google+. Because I think there's a very real pressure in sort of the classical evangelical community to, you know, you have to, what you do, what your output is, has to be somehow, you know, redemptive. Um, Or, Mm -hmm. you know, there has to be something that, goes forth and says, you know, this photo clearly displays the glory of God in X, or, you know, this is evangelistic in such and such. Right. I don't think that's helpful. I I think it reduces it to, there can only be, you know, it has to, it has to be, you know, for some sort of explicit didactic use. And if, it's not obvious, then it's sort of worthless. Right. Which is funny because, so uh, if I haven't said this already, I'm going to say this probably over and over again as we do these podcasts. One of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. 
that does not put me in any kind of special minority uh, or, or click group in the Christian community. But he was interesting because he um, specifically said that he did not care for allegories because he felt that allegories took whatever truth they were trying to convey and basically hit you over the head with it is my my very dumbed down paraphrase of, of his thoughts uh, without without quoting the source material. Whereas he wrote stories that had a very definite narrative that, that carried a very definite message, but they were first and foremost just good stories. Um, so like one, another example I think of that I think is super common today is uh, if you use a Bible app, a lot of them have a function now where you can create a verse image. So you can read the verse and then it will like overlay it over, you know, some beautiful scenery or something like that. So I could easily see someone making this argument. I would not make this argument, but I could see someone saying, see, now this beautiful picture of a sunset has spiritual value because it has a verse over it. But if you delete the verse and it's just a picture of a, of a sunset, now it doesn't have value. And I, I think I agree with where you're going that that's, that's really a false paradigm. We're setting up a, um, a litmus test for creative outlets that isn't that, that God didn't put there, isn't helpful and isn't genuine. The picture of the sunset communicates God's glory, whether you explicitly say anything about that or not. Right. Yeah. And there is uh, one book I read uh, by Francis Schaeffer, Art and the Bible might be the title of it. I might have to go back and look that up. Oh, I got to pick that up. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it's really short. It's, you know, it's a pretty quick read. And a lot of it, you know, he'll come back to the uh, commands that he gave, that God gave to the Israelites when they're building the temple. And just pointing out, you know, all of these decorations or all of these um, sort of superfluous, you know, so-called superfluous items, you know, images of pomegranates and colors that pomegranates don't actually come in and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, he's looking at this, pointing out to say, look, this is sort of, this is essentially your version of creative license. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the temple, at which, I mean, I guess you weren't bringing it up, Francis Schaefer brought it up, but... Um... Because there, there do seem to be a lot of superfluous details that maybe we can assume God certainly had some image in mind when he was making them. But it, the scripture seems to emphasize over and over again that these craftsmen were skillful in their work. Right, and that was uh, the the main part. It was made to... The skill in the work is what, you know, sort of makes it good. It wasn't, you know, these are pomegranates for Jesus. <laughs> Which maybe they were. I don't know what the, the deep <laughs> spiritual meaning behind that, it was. That's entirely <laughs> possible, I suppose. <laughs> there, there is a lot of... Actually, that's a really cool study, by the way, uh, for another topic on another night. There is a lot of meaning in the temple construction, but there are plenty of things in there that I, uh, that I don't necessarily get meaning out of. And I imagine... So this is something interesting, too. If you look at different religious traditions throughout history, uh, if you for example, uh, saw like a painting or a sculpture of an eagle, there are some religious traditions, and, and actually this varies throughout Christian history as well, um, where the art 
in, for example, the Gothic uh, era is very stark and very plain, and there's not a lot of detail in it. Uh, and then you have other periods where there is more detail. So I can picture, I can imagine, I don't know this for sure, but for example, when the uh, the carving of the cherubim was made, that the the uh, the sculptors that were working on that furniture in the temple, I imagine that they, you know, they carved feathers in and they they carved detail in that wasn't necessary to convey that basic meaning, but it was beautiful and it was skillful. Right. Yeah. So it took me a while, uh, at least to come back to my own, you know, personal problems with all of this. You know, it sort of took me a while to kind of get <laughs> over that, like, you know, it'd sit and ruminate over, you know, how do I make a Christian photograph? What does that even mean? Right. Because it's, it's almost like entirely a, a nonsensical question. It would be the same uh, mm-hmm. to use Martin Luther's famous example of, you know, a cobbler sitting down, sitting, trying to think, how do I make a Christian shoe? Right. It's like there are a number of Christian rock bands that have uh, been labeled as such and railed against that title and said, we are not a Christian rock band. We are a rock band. And all of the members in the band are Christians. <laughs> and uh, some people have looked at that and been like, oh, they're just trying to get out from under the Christian label so they can sell to the secular market. I'm like, well, no, they kind of have a point, actually. And to be fair, they do need to eat, too. So, you know. <laughs> so they shouldn't just sell to Christians, you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I think obviously you've you've wrestled with this topic and you've kind of come to your own conclusions on it to be consistent with the show title. Uh, I think I'm still wrestling with it, so I would say that I still don't know what I'm doing on this. I guess kind of where I came to is um, where that dividing line seems to be. All of the verses that I see where Paul, for example, is avoiding eloquent speech it is specifically related to the presentation of the gospel. And whatever your role is, uh, whether you're a programmer or a band member or a painter, photographer, politician, uh, I don't believe in this dividing line between the secular and the sacred where I put on these different hats. Like I go to work and I'm, I'm doing work in the world. And now I take that hat off and I come home and I put on a Christian hat for going to church. Um, but it's more just being a Christian is a matter of who you are and it should influence everything you do. But when you're taking a picture as a photographer, you're doing it as a photographer and and you want to create an image that's beautiful. Um, if you are using that image to present the gospel, then I think you need to be more careful about what it says, but even, um, Even beyond that, I guess I would say, to me as a Christian, there are some, there are some photos, there are some videos, there are some ways of speaking that I feel like tend to point to man more than they do to God, or to seek man's attention more than they seek just to create something that's beautiful. And so I guess for me, I want to be cautious of that too. Because I could, uh, just using YouTube as an example, 
I could make a bunch of attempts at quote unquote viral videos uh, that are intended just to gain clicks. And if that's like my business model, I'm trying to get clicks because I'm trying to, uh, you know, get followers and build up a business or whatever. I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. But if all of my videos are talking about like uh, self empowerment and you can do it and, you know, you don't need these other things, then maybe I'm pointing people in a direction that uh, is kind of away from God, even if I'm not overtly saying that. So I don't know. That's that's just something I'm pondering. Right. I think those are almost different categories as far as content versus meta content or marketing or, you know, the surrounding. And I, I, I don't know how to, uh, how to clearly describe that. <laughs> so you mean like the content would be like overtly what I'm saying. So if, if I'm just talking about, um, how to maintain your car, there's nothing inherently Christian or, or unchristian in that content. But the meta content would be like the way I film it or the tone or uh, something like that, like that, that with your, your all caps uh, clickbait titles. <laughs> Turning a 67 GTO into a Honda Accord. I'd watch that. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah, because so I'll give an example to, to try to make this a little less vague and a little more specific. I love uh, drones. I want to get a really nice one someday. So there, and I love, you know, like GoPros and stuff like that. So there's all these videos out there. Uh, people call them like lifestyle videos of people slow motion, you know, jumping into beautiful lakes or whatever uh, with drone footage overhead and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't feel like there's anything inherently wrong in those videos. But the one thing I have noticed is if, if I spend too much time and, and I don't know what too much time is, but if I spend too much time watching some of those videos, the, the result of it is not to make me want to seek God or even necessarily to make me want to go do anything productive. It's more just to make me envy those people, if that makes sense. And so the biggest problem is in my own heart and my response to that. But that also makes me wonder, like, what is the point of that video is, you know, if you were just sharing that with your friend, like, hey, look at this cool place, you wouldn't necessarily take the effort to Photoshop everything and polish it all and make it look perfect. You're trying to present an idealized version of reality uh, to make people want to be there. So I guess my question is, what are you selling when you do that? Sure. And I don't have an answer. I just have questions. <laughs> uh I don't even have questions. I just have blank stares. <laughs> so do we want to move to close or are there other things, thoughts that you want to share or questions you want to raise on this social media topic? We didn't really get into our own ineptitude. <laughs> no, I think that's just generally known. <laughs> In fact, we actually forgot to mention... Uh, just in case you noticed an odd break, uh, we took an odd break because my laptop or maybe there were connection issues on one end or the other. Uh, so we tabled that for a couple of days and then came back to start recording. 
hopefully we can stitch something together that won't uh won't be too confusing but if you're listening to this then we probably have so <laughs> yeah so we, we first took a long hiatus and then we decided to to do our first ever two-part episode combined into one and uh, we should have done we really should have done a proper cliffhanger get the uh the rocky and bullwinkle announcer will they come back will they remember what they're talking about you find out next week <laughs> i feel like jamie could do a good job of that i could probably i could try to rope her in for one of those should we move on to semi-random excellence i'm i'm really excited actually to hear what your semi-random excellence is for this week yeah, so this is kind of uh, related to something I had alluded to uh, in the first half of our discussion. Um, one thing that I've been enjoying lately is uh, computer game Cities Skylines, uh, which is sort of a, a, I call it a spiritual successor to SimCity. It's not the same people, um, but as you know, time went on and Electronic Arts and Maxis decided to kind of neglect SimCity altogether and then release an absolutely horrid version of it. Uh, <laughs> City Skylines kind of stepped in and yeah, so far I've just kind of started playing around and, you know, I've watched some videos and there's a lot of really fun, cool stuff you can do with that. Um, if you were like me and I remember the first time I played SimCity, I was SimCity 2000. We had gone down to Texas uh, for Thanksgiving and I was playing at my cousin's house and this was probably like 1994, 95, something like that. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been playing and enjoying those games off and on for a long time, uh, and it's nice to have one around. Uh, you know, sometimes you just get that itch to build a city and then send a million meteor strikes down on it. <laughs> By the way, this is why. I'm pretty convinced that uh, we are not going to be in charge of our own planets <laughs> because um, that seems dangerous. <laughs> but wouldn't it be fun? I loved, I loved SimCity 2000, so I'm gonna have to check out Cities and Skylines. Yeah, definitely do. Uh, it's available on if you have the Steam app. Um, I don't know how else it's available. Just Google it. <laughs> The the difficult thing I'll have to figure out how to get around is not having my own personal laptop. So the uh, the things that I can install on my company computer are somewhat limited. So I may not be able to experiment until I break down and buy my own computer. Yeah, that could be a... Uh, I can imagine IT being a little bit annoyed that that was on there. but <laughs> It's weird because I, I've had some things on there that I haven't gotten any kind of a nasty gram about, but they just disappear um, <laughs> with no notice or anything, or uh, or they just stop functioning. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody out there in Radio Land. We would love to hear from you. Our email address is podcast at we don't know info. Our website is we don't know info. That has all the important social media links for us. Please write us with thoughts, questions, comments, funny stories, whatever you got. We will take it. We will post uh, links to relevant blog posts or anything else uh, that's related to this topic as well. And we will be back at you for real this time in another two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
long. So you, uh, you volunteered to take the bullet and uh, stitch this one together? I did. I don't. Uh, it's gonna be fun. Lord's work, sir. This is gonna be um. This is gonna be a freaking mess. For now, just do an awkward pause because you have entirely frozen, and I don't even know if we have a connection anymore. Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Do, 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 do. Hello? Do, 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 do. Hello, Matt. Matt, come back. So I think we can keep tonight fairly short because we don't want the total episode to be too long, but me, me, <laughs> that's a classic Matt Austin uh, answer. <laughs>